This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today, we are getting candid with Aiden Bissett, who you may recognize his music from TikTok with songs like More Than Friends and Tripping Over Air. He's toured with the likes of Claire Rosencrantz, Love Valley Role Model, and The Greeting Committee. And he broke into the music world with a series of self-produced singles in 2020 and signed to Capitol Records before he'd even finished high school. And we're getting candid with Aiden about being among the first people to start promoting music on TikTok, as well as the importance of distinguishing yourself as an artist in songwriting, a performance persona, as well as growing up in an environment that supported good mental health. So we have a lot to cover today, and it's a very interesting conversation. Hi, Aiden. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, how are you guys? Good, good. It's nice to be here. So you're about to start your first ever headlining tour. How are you preparing yourself for this career milestone? Great question. Lots of practice. I've been like, I really wanted to make a point on this tour to be playing a lot more guitar on stage instead of just being like on vocals. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool if you can be like a front man who can do both at the same time. So I've been practicing a lot of guitar. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, I feel like in your TikToks, you're usually playing music. So like, is that not something you're comfortable with yet? Or just like live, you're kind of like, oh, multitasking is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's it's the live thing. Like I've played guitar for years and it's different when you're just like sitting sitting down and playing it it's as soon as you start opening your mouth and singing (laughs) yeah it's like like your brain is like oh you're not supposed to be doing those two things at the same time ever so (laughs) i'm gonna prevent prevent and then you're like yeah you're also on stage there's a lot of like showmanship that has to go into that the fans are all screaming like there's a lot going on yeah no it's like yeah because you have to like you're playing a character as well like on stage you know like a very amplified version of yourself who has to like command while singing and being emotive and playing and yeah i think like we did like four opening slots over the past like year and a half and i've got to like learn a lot through those slots and like seeing the headliners perform and what i really liked what they did or what i didn't like and we just did lala and that was the same thing i got to see um the 1975 perform for the first time and amazing Mm -hmm. They're kind of, they're like un- unreal when it comes to performances. Like they're kind of the epitome of like a, a truly great performative band. Yeah. yeah. Um, so being able to watch that and watch like Matty Healy, how the way he kind of like interacts on stage. And it was really helpful to like envision like what I, what I think I should do on this tour. Yeah, that's, am- I mean, that's amazing. It sounds like you're really learning a lot and like this tour is going to be like a really fun way for you to bring all that to life. So I'm really curious, like you mentioned Matt Healy, 1975. I feel like a lot of us who are in the music industry or play music, like we have these very formative experiences of music in our lives that really kind of like form our journey and like who we are as people. So I'm curious if there's anything that stands out to you of you were like, music is what I want to be doing. Like music is what I have to be doing. Like the moment that I kind of like realized that? Yeah. Well, the first concert I went to when I was um, in like high school was kind of like the formative moment. It was in Portland in like the basement of a hotel. <laughs> and it was um, it was for a band called Wallows, who are now very oh, yeah. big. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're killing it. Um, but at the time they had like two songs out and me and my friend had like heard one of their songs. I think it was like 
I think it was Pleaser. Yeah, Pleaser. And um, on Spotify, when it came out, I'm like, oh, this is really sick. And then we saw, like, uh, they're doing, like, a little Pacific Northwest, like, tour show or whatever. And we're like, well, it's five bucks to go. So <laughs> it's down the street. Why not go? And uh, it was literally, it was, like, 50 people in the basement of a hotel. And I remember just, like, watching them on stage and just, like, seeing how much fun they had and how they could kind of, like, again, like, play a character and amplify themselves on the stage. I thought that was, like, really, really cool. And... Um, it was also kind of like they did a great job of making it an experience, even though it was only like 50 people, like it was intimate and, you know, you could see that people really lost themselves, and like just kind of like forgot about what was going on in normal life and could just like detach and be a part of something for an hour and a half. And uh, I thought that was really special. I wanted to be able to do that same thing for people is like give somebody an experience that they can kind of like put their life aside for a second and, and experience something with like a group of people. Yeah. Were you already playing music at the time or did that inspire you to then start playing music? I was playing guitar. I was like a hobby. Mm -hmm. um, I played guitar like second grade on and off throughout like lessons and stuff. But at that point in my life, I was very focused on athletics and sports. Um, I was, that's what I thought I was going to do in college. And it was just a really, really prominent part of my life. And it wasn't until I moved to Florida halfway through high school that um, I kind of made the switch. I had like started a high school band and we needed a singer and none of us knew how to sing. I was a horrible singer. Like there was <laughs> Really? <laughs> I was so bad. Like my my uncle has these like voice memo recordings of me doing vocal warm-ups in my grandparents' house because we were living out of there for a while. And he would like go up into the room that I would be doing the vocal warm-ups in. He'd like stick his phone up against the, the wall. And you can hear me. There's one that's really, really, really funny. Um <laughs> I'm like doing like a scale and my voice cracks and I'm like, la, 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 la. <laughs> and I, and, and you can hear me go, uh, uh, as soon as my voice cracked, I was like, oh, dang it. So yeah, I was not a good singer. It, it was like, it took a long time for me to be like comfortable with my, my voice. Yeah. Growth. We love to see it. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So you kind of started releasing music around 2020 at a time where it very much felt like live music might not ever recover. So getting to perform live now and like seeing fans in real life, like what does this mean to you? It's kind of like the best part of the whole thing. Again, like it goes back to experience, like being able to connect with, with people like real time on, on something that you spent so much time creating, seeing that impact it has on um anyone is so powerful because you know you, you sit with music for so long and i mean i'm i'm in the room that i make a lot of it right now and i i, I sit here for eight hours a day nine hours a day sometimes beating my head against the wall like trying to unlock and trying to like pu puzzle an idea together mm -hmm. um, so it's like an incredible incredible like payoff and response to see that it works you know and that people really do connect to it We've talked to other artists before about like that feeling of getting out there on stage and it's like the audience, like their emotions bouncing off of you and your emotions bouncing off on them. For your first experience of that happening, like what was that like and are you used to it now? I remember that experience so vividly the first time. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> it was, I was on tour with Claire Rosencrantz. I was opening for her and mm -hmm. um, the first show was in Washington, D.C. I think I had three rehearsal days prior to this tour, oh, wow. which for me was not a lot. Like I was like, I've never performed yeah. before. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like three days <laughs> yeah. and I have to go and perform a 40 minute set. Like, yeah. I was like, there's no way. Dude. And 
we also were like balling on a major budget when it came to like um, any kind of sound design, front of house, yeah. all of that. Like we didn't have budget for that. And um, so like I didn't have any kind of tuning or touch up on my voice. No, none of that. It was just like dry in and we're just going <laughs> to rock. It. The real rock experience. Uh, yeah, and exactly. I remember like walking on stage and uh, I like I definitely froze for a second because I was like, uh, oh, like I now have to like figure out how to basically like <laughs> pr- like entertain people for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have like a nervous I've definitely got better at, better at it now, but when I get nervous, I just talk a lot. Mm, um, yeah. I, just remember, I would like perform a song and then I just start I just start going on like tangents. Just like, <laughs> okay, guys. It like became like a stand up show mixed with like <laughs> like I forgot I'm here to play music. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, I'd be like talking for like two minutes in between songs. And I can just see my um like my tour manager in the back, like, come on, bro. Like you start singing. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it but it you know, it kind of it had its own like perk to it because I remember like coming coming off stage and like going to merch and um they're like, Oh, we loved how personal you were, you know, we loved how like you could like talk to the audience and I was like, Okay, maybe I'll make my, that my thing for this tour. I'll just be like personal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we had like no t- no song transitions or whatever. It was just playing the songs. And yeah, I think I also, there's like a bunch of pictures from that first show and you can see like the surprise of, like on my face as I'm like, why, like, why am I here right now? I have no idea, but I'm, I'm doing it, I guess. And then, yeah. like my, the smile on my face is so big and I'm running around and jumping around. I had no idea how to control my body on a stage. I was just like, <laughs> I'm just going to be really energetic and hope that that's what you're supposed to do on a stage. Um, <laughs> So it was a fun learning experience, but um, I, I'll never forget it. I remember walking off stage and Claire's manager came up to me and he, and the response was way bigger than we had expected. Like the, mm-hmm. the response to songs, were like singing the songs. And again, we had no baseline. We had no idea what to expect. And when the song started playing, like people were actually singing them and all of us were like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. We have no, we don't have, we don't really have a following. You know, we came off stage and Claire's manager came up to me and he goes, did you know they were going to do that? And I was like, <laughs> how would I know? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I just got here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this, dude. And it was like a big, like, oh, that was a really, everyone was like, that was sick, dude. And I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And uh, the rest of the tour was, was awesome. So that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, I love it. It's really cool as a fan getting to watch an artist, like, first tour, especially, like, discovering music online and stuff. So it's cool hearing it from, like, the artist's perspective of being like, yeah, I was there with you, too. We all knew it was the, the first tour. We all were, like, going through that and having those emotions. So it's cool just, like, hearing your perspective on it. But I mean, like, with you kind of starting your career on TikTok and connecting with people over the internet in that way like going from being on your phone to being in real life in front of these people like was that a weird thing to get used to yeah i am you know there's no your phone is so weird you know it's like it's (laughs) like you can put something out there and then people will see it and um but you never get to see how they're seeing it they're just seeing it and next thing you know like a day later like oh this has like a hundred thousand views like what the heck being able to see like the the translation between that and like it, it like you never really understand what an impact has on somebody on you'll, you'll never be able to tell mm-hmm. on the phone and seeing that transition especially on that first tour was really impactful for me and it kind of like solidified the like 
the drive and motivation that I had for for music um, because I, I didn't feel like I could I could get that sort of response and, and connection anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the apps like TikTok and, and Instagram and YouTube, it's, it's so weird um, because I feel like everyone is just like putting out their random ideas and be like, oh, I hope people like it. You know what I mean? It's kind of just a yeah. bit of a, a throwing darts in the dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, well, also like doing like all of this and doing this in 2020, like TikTok was like the new frontier. No one, no one knew what they were doing. Like, it was very early stages of figuring out like how to use how to utilize TikTok as like a platform to like grow yourself. And so I'm curious, like, what your experience was with that, like when you were first like using the app, and like what was that like for you, just throwing darts in the dark? Yeah. Um. Recently, like, looked back on some of my videos, and I was like. How did I not get bullied in high school? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, which, to be fair, I definitely did. They didn't bully. They didn't bully me like to my face. Um, yeah. Which is like whatever. Um, but I was like looking back at some of them, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, I can't dude. believe I posted this. What? I was literally like, I was, I was like straight up committing social suicide. Like, I was gonna like, but but like because we were in lockdown, I was like. I can, you know what? I can't see the kids in school. It's so, fake. It doesn't know. matter. Yeah. It's it not matter, real life. You know? <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, it was like, it was weird trying to, trying to figure it out because, again, like at the time, nobody, nobody knew that what they were doing. Like now, right, nobody yeah. knows what we're doing. But like, we kind of understand like how it works and TikTok yeah. is, is and Instagram, whatever, is weird because the, mar- the market for artists on the app is so much larger. Yeah. Um, so it's almost a bit more formulaic when it comes to it. But back then, it was like, there was not many artists that were doing it. You know what I mean? You know, like yeah. the big ones were like Ty Brady's, Claire Rosencrans, like, and every once in a while, there, there was that song that was like, I saw my I saw my neck. Like, I was like, what What are we, like, the music that was like popping off was so <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was, honestly, I was just copying the this, this stuff that was working. From, yeah. from other artists i would like look at like studying other artists socials and stuff and being like oh that kind of works let me do that and every once in a while it, w- it would kind of work um but it was it was definitely way 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 different of a landscape then than it was now um, yeah you know like there was just less music being put on it so it was being able yeah. to, to make noise be, being able to break through the noise and 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 be like this is what i'm, I'm doing this i'm so and so was a lot easier I, I i every artist now i feel like goes through the struggle of, of trying to break through anything on that app um because yeah there is so much yeah. all the time there's a new song a new whatever every every other week or or there's a bunch of these smaller songs kind of doing their own thing and it's hard to have a big one pop off you know yeah um, so it's it's really interesting. It's it's cool to watch. I, I'm really fascinated by like the the whole market and business around that stuff. So I'm really curious because so we're talking about like TikTok three years ago was so different. But then if we think about like musicians and social platforms like five years ago, even like ten years ago, with artists like Wallows coming up in like the 1975, like there was no TikTok for Wallows in 1975, you know. <laughs> and so the artist to social media landscape has changed a lot. And so I'm curious for you, like, do you feel because I feel like with TikTok, it's changed to this format where it feels like you need to be constantly accessible online. So do you feel like that plays a role in all of this? Yeah, I think there's a there's a. I think it's something that every every artist is struggling with right now, trying to find the balance between 
using an app like TikTok to grow your platform and grow your music, mm -hmm. but also not giving not giving too much. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the biggest super the biggest superstars in the world. You know, the Matty Healy, Harry Styles, Olivia Rodrigo. In my opinion, one of the reasons they're they're superstars is because there's a level of mystery around them. Yeah, mm, so yeah. You don't know everything about them, but you want to know everything about them, right? Yeah. yeah. Having that, like, part of your artistry is so important because it keeps people searching your name and yeah. guessing and wanting to know what's going on in their life. Who is that person dating? Where are they eating? Whatever, you know what I mean? Like, being able to find the balance because, like, an artist like me who's developing, I can't just leave TikTok. I can't just be like, well, yeah, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the <laughs> level of success to be like, you know, screw that app. I, I don't need it anymore. Um, right. Yeah. It's just not true. I, I have to be able to utilize, you know, the things that are at my, you know, like extent. Like it, it's just not, Yeah. it wouldn't be realistic. And now finding that balance because there is so much on TikTok now is what everybody's trying to figure out. It's like, how can we put content on TikTok that's like stylized and cool, that fits with the artistry, that isn't always like too, too much, giving like too much personality, showing too much of your life. Yeah. Because that definitely does, in some ways, it can subtract from, from the artistry. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. I, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, I work a yeah. lot with my roommate and videographer who like shoots he's like shoots all my videos we, we've been going out mm -hmm. and like shooting more like um like abstract like visualizer type short form content to like be able to post yeah. on socials that like gives you the music but also shows the artist but is not sitting in your car being like yeah yes, here's another car video I just, and I just made the biggest heartbreak song of the year and then, <laughs> and then it's like and it's definitely not the biggest heartbreak song in the year. This goes. This is, no. this is such a crazy. I I love, I love when like, and this is like, I've fallen fault to this. I've said I've said I've made the song of the summer multiple times when I was in high school when I was making music on TikTok. Yeah. So, I, I was doing it, um, so I can make fun of it. But, yeah, exactly. Um, the the I love. I think it's so funny when artists um, make like absolutes around mm. their music. I've I've made the song. This is the song of the summer. Or like, yeah. or if an artist at a show is like, "This is the best night of your life." And everyone's like, "Uh, it's actually not the best night of my life." But, you know, don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> you, you know, know what me? I mean? Yeah, yeah you yeah. don't know what's going on in my life. Like, yeah. I could have like, I don't know. I could have like won a championship last week or something. Um, <laughs> I think it's so, so funny. I don't know why that's so random, but I think it's so funny when, because I think specifically those car videos that it is, it's dealing in absolutes where it's yeah. like, I just made this and, and this is, I'm telling you how to feel basically. Yeah. yeah. And this is such a weird concept, but you know, like the, the attention spans on, on TikTok and, and social media now is so small. Yeah. You know, people want to be super, super served yeah. a specific content. They want to like not think. Yeah. So it's kind of smart for an artist to be like, this is this. And then yeah. the person on the phone is like, oh, yes, it is this. Yeah. You know? yeah. so and I think I, I really think that that's why it was working for a period of time. Yeah. Is because like during the peak of COVID when everyone was locked in their house. Yeah. And it was so mindless. That was the thing that was working. You know what I mean? People were just sitting on their phone like, yes, 
Song of Summer, so good, you know, and it's just it's just different now. I, I it's I don't see, you don't see as many of those as often. You see them a couple every once in a while, but I think everyone's trying to switch it up and figure out what yeah what what's next. yeah to just like move it over to the your most recent single Ultraviolet that came out. I feel like you have a very captivating way about singing about like love and relationships that feels different from like what has been coming out recently. And I feel like, especially this song, like the lyrics are capturing a very specific moment in time. So I'm just curious if you could tell us a little bit about like your inspiration for writing, whether it be like specifically ultraviolet or just in general, like where you pull inspiration from. I like to keep it very personal. So things that obviously are truly happening in my life is definitely the stuff that I, I put into music. Um, And I've been working really hard on being a little less one-dimensional when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not just writing about a heartbreak or not just writing about like falling in love, but like the different aspects of anything, relationship or a friendship or, you know, something like a, a loss, you know. I've been trying to find ways to, to write about those things that feel like I'm not just hitting the nail on the head. Um, yeah. And it's been challenging because, you know, it's always easier to say I'm in love, you know, rather than, explain why and how you're in love yeah through you know little things and learning how to do that i think is really important it's just been it's been tough and and like i've sat here like i said like i've been sitting here like trying to piece together more you know lyrical stuff and um being be able to like have things that fans and listeners can look at and be like wow like that really does explain how i feel in a way that i didn't know how to explain if that makes yeah. sense yeah because that's something I always struggle with. Is like I always like know how I'm feeling, but I don't always know how to explain. Yeah, it. and that's kind of like people. a musician's job, right? Is like doing like writing things in a way that makes people think. Exactly. I mean, I, I think a lot of people go through that where it's like I know why. I know I this this hurts. I know I'm feeling something. I just don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Um, and being able to like sit down and like just actually like piece that together and think about it, I think has been really important and, and therapeutic in a way but it's been fun it's been a fun challenge especially with like there's another song that'll come out later that really where i really worked super hard on that and like mm-hmm. trying to explain an emotion in a way that like is telling a real story yeah um, yeah so it's been it's been fun yeah I, I i really love hearing all this from you because it sounds like you're really trying to challenge yourself as an artist and i love you know just bringing it back for a second what you said about this idea of celebrity of how like there's a certain unattainableness of celebrities and a certain mystery and that's why we like them and i think so many musicians on tiktok are struggling to figure out those dynamics so i think it's really interesting that you're like very aware of these different like kind of categories that what makes a good musician the, the showmanship like this air of mystery the songwriting itself and so i think it's really cool that you're kind of like focusing on all these aspects and at the same time of getting into you know what you just said about the songwriting and being emotional and tapping into emotions you've not been shy about sharing those like the ups and downs in your songs and historically throughout society we see that a lot of men aren't really encouraged to share their emotions there's been a lot of kind of stigma around like men and mental health or sharing their emotions being open but I think like people your age and like the younger generation even are changing this a lot. So I'm just curious, like your experience, like, do you feel like you've had any stigma around like being vulnerable or being emo- emotional? Or do you feel like you're part of this generation where it's, it's shifting more? Yeah. I mean, my 
parents were and are very supportive when it comes to being emotional. My mm. mom is a, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, mouthful. Um, <laughs> and she deals with kids or kids and teens with like anxiety and depression and OCD and like all of those um, crazy things that kind of go in, in with teens. So she was, and, and my dad as well, we're, we're always very big on, on talking through things mm. because obviously with her profession, it's way better to talk about stuff than to let it sit and then fester because yeah. that's when some horrible things can happen. Yeah, And I think at least from my experience growing up that way and, and being around um, the kids that I was around, we were all pretty, ra- at least raised like that with, with an open mind and, and being told that it's okay to feel certain things, even if, even if you're a guy, you know, you know, yeah. we, we like, we, when I played, I played football for seven years mm. and that's very, that's a, that's a, that's Manly a sport. sport right there. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, stereotype and, st- and weird stigma around that sport. And, but growing up, I grew up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was on a team that was very supportive of that stuff. We were supposed to talk about it. Yeah. When we were going through things or it was tough, like the whole point of being on a team was like getting through things together. And, you know, we were told if somebody has their head held down, you know, if their chin was down, you're, you're, you as their teammate were supposed to pick them up, you know. Um, and, you know, I kind of carried that through as weird and maybe cliche that is. I kind of like have carried that through my, you know, childhood and, and life mm-hmm. and now adulthood. I think it's different everywhere. I think some areas and some places are, are, you know, a little farther along in that stance than others. I, I lived in Florida for two years and there's pockets that are like that and there's pockets that aren't like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, for the most part, I really do feel like this, my generation or, or the generation coming, it is changing. I think, I think people are understanding that it's really important to talk and feeling feelings is, it's so normal. And there's yeah. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Normalized no, feelings. No, yeah. Like there's no reason for anybody to feel like they can't share those feelings. Um, and if somebody is telling you otherwise, then they're so wrong and they need to look yeah. internally and ask themselves why they're saying that. It's incredible, I think, in watch like being part of music for like most of my life and watching just like the shift from kind of like growing up listening to emo music and that music being made fun of and like those kind of vibes and now like the younger generation still singing about their feelings and everybody being so much more comfortable with it I think is just so incredible um so it's really awesome to hear you talk about that but just for a fun wrap-up question the ethos of name three songs is to empower fangirls and we think it's very important to celebrate the things that we love just completely unapologetically so Aiden what are you a fangirl of Ooh, <laughs> what am I a fangirl of wait that's crazy that's a great question wait what am I a fangirl of <laughs> Dang, I'm a fangirl. Wait, this is so hard. I'm a. Fan- <laughs> it could be like the smallest thing. It would be like, like you said, oh, like seeing the '90s '75 was so amazing. Or like Sarah's like uh, super into like the Spider-Man video game right now. So she's like obsessing over Spider-Man. So oh. it's just like, what are you like obsessed with right now? I know. I know what I'm a fangirl of. Yes. yes. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> no. Absolutely. I would- I would do anything to be a wizard. Do you know how bad I wanted to go to Hogwarts? <laughs> so, bad. 
so bad. Dude, it's so messed up. The fact, do you do the like, fact that I wasn't chosen is so it's not okay. I, I do you do like, like a binge watch? Do you like binge watch like once a year, like all the all the movies? Um, multiple times a year. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I He's love like, that. like just once. Excuse just me. Just one time. I'm literally I'm playing the, the new like Harry Potter Hogwarts game. Oh, on the my PS5, PS5 right one. Now. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right, dude, my my wizard is nuts dude he he's incredible oh yeah Amazing. No, I, I feel that <laughs> love that that's a great one thank you so much for hanging out with us today aiden thank you guys this was so fun i think my favorite thing in talking to aiden is just how thoughtful he is on all aspects of being a musician of his songwriting his performance having a persona both on stage and on social media and i think that's something that so many artists like aren't very aware of and it's so nice it's kind of like refreshing to see someone his age and like where he's at in his career already thinking about these things yeah i I feel like once we finish the conversation with him i just had more more questions questions. (laughs) because because i because like I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a preconceived idea that I think I have a lot of times, even though I ha- like I'm a big fan of his music, but there's like a preconceived idea of somebody whose career starts on TikTok and yeah, like definitely. how their feelings are going to be and like how they're going to be comfortable talking about it. And like you said, I was just like so blown away by like how clearly he's thought about every aspect of his career, not only just like from, you know, getting a start on social media, but also the fact that he is so young and I just left it kind of being like, wow, he cares so much about his career and like what he's putting out. And I think it's so obvious in his music as well that he cares that much. And it was just so cool, like getting to chat with him about it and learn about like I don't, not, not only like his music life, but also like in his personal life and how supportive the people around him have been about his journey into music, as well as like putting his emotions out there for the world to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. I'm like, interview part two when? Like, <laughs> literally. Maybe, guys, we'll have more for you maybe in the future. Thank you guys for getting candid with us and Aiden. This has been Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.